Welcome to everyone today, and if you're a guest with us today, we are so glad to have you in service with us this morning. It's our hope and prayer that the presence of the Lord touches you today. If you're joining us online this morning, wherever you're watching from, we pray that you're blessed by this service. Those of you that are watching that are a part of us, unable to be here, we are thinking of you. Pray that God touches you. I want to say it's good to have Sister Pat Grossbach in service with us today. For those of you that may not know, Brother and Sister Grossbach are out of this church, served in Africa, missionaries for 30 years. She's in town visiting her mom. It's always good to see her. And a couple other guests want to recognize, good to have Brother Vladimir this morning, friend of Brother Mike and Sister Tatiana. He's from Serbia. And also uh, Brother Mike's aunt and uncle from Germany, I believe. Good to have them in service with us today. And uh, as I mentioned, this past week was uh, North American Youth Congress. That's for the organization this church is a part of. It's every other year. It's for youth and young adults, even though more and more adults attend. And uh, I've always gone for various reasons. First as a teenager, then as a youth pastor, and now I go just as a pastor to support our kids. But it was in St. Louis in, uh, I think it's called the America Center Dome, and uh, somewhere around 34,000 apostolics gathered together for several days of an awesome time of the presence and power of God. And we had a number of young people uh, that went, and I just, I want to, and no disrespect to those that may not be here, I'm not trying to throw shade on anybody, but I just want to say how uh, much I appreciate a bunch of them that are here. They didn't get back until, I think, after one last night. And that's after a whole day of being on the road. And so I I honor you guys for uh, being here. And um, those that did not feel up to coming, I sincerely hope you got rest. And I know we all are impacted differently. So please, really, I'm not trying to slight those that aren't here at all. I don't mean that, but I just... And uh, brother, brother Adam Lowenheim was one of the drivers of the two vans, so he drove all day. Um, and uh, then again, shout out to Brother Isaac for just the whole week, but then for pinch driving for me. And uh, pulling the trailer, they ended up with a blowout on the trailer yesterday. Had to deal with all that day. So uh, honor them and, and and brother brother Mike. They didn't. They got back late. Then he had to make a late airport run. And so uh, I I just I I appreciate that. And I I hope it's always known that I sincerely pre- appreciate the the dedication and commitment. This 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 thing doesn't work by one person. It is a team effort. 
and I'm thankful to be a part of such an awesome team. I um, want to draw your attention to a very unfamiliar passage of Scripture, Ecclesiastes chapter 12. That's a little bit of a joke because we've started there for the last three weeks, and uh, we're going to finish up today. Um, And so as a starting point, Ecclesiastes 12, beginning with verse number 10. Solomon says, The preacher, and he's speaking of himself here, the preacher sought to find out acceptable words, and that which was written was upright, even words of truth. The words of the wise are as goads and as nails fastened by the masters of assemblies, which are given from one shepherd. And further, by these, my son, be admonished of making many books, there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. And we've, we've got not only more books than ever before, we've got the internet that's got articles and websites, and you can, you can spend hours and hours searching out a subject. Solomon says there's no end to it and ultimately it is a weariness of the flesh because at the end of the day, the bottom line is whatever you're trying to figure out in life, you can find your answer right here. Verse number 13, here it is. He says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. You want to know what life is all about? You want to know the meaning of life? Here it is. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty. This is the number one responsibility of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. The past several weeks I have preached on the subject of the fear of the Lord and as a finale to that, I want to I want to preach to you this morning for a little bit on the antithesis of the fear of the Lord. God, I thank you so much for your wonderful presence here today. Father, I pray that you would help us to never treat it lightly or take it for granted. Billions of people in this world have never experienced your presence and For whatever reasons, we've been given the opportunity and the privilege, and so thank you. So I pray that you would help us to always treasure and value the opportunity to be in your presence. I thank you for your spirit already working and moving in this place this morning. So I pray, God, that that would continue and that you would now do that through your word. Speak to us today, Lord. We don't need to just hear the words of a man. We don't just need to hear a sermon. We need to hear a message that would come from you. I trust you that you would allow me to be a a messenger today. I depend on you. I acknowledge again today, Jesus, that without you, I can do nothing, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The antithesis of the fear of the Lord. That word, hopefully I'm saying it close enough at least. But an antithesis is essentially a, a contrast or an opposite. And so 
the last several weeks especially, I have gone through scriptures and things that the Bible tells us about the fear of the Lord. If you have not been in, in, in any of those services, I just want to pause for a moment to just state to you that the fear of the Lord is it's not the fear in the context of being afraid of a snake or a spider or whatever else. It's, it's reverence, it's awe, it's respect. As I've said a couple of weeks now, I don't think it really is intended to be fear in the sense of being afraid because the Bible tells us that God is love and that perfect love casts out fear. So if God is love and perfect love casts out fear, then I don't see how this word means the the idea of being afraid of God. So it's reverence, it's awe, it's respect. And so we've spent several weeks talking about the attributes, the characteristics of the fear of the Lord. The scripture tells us that it's the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The the fear of the Lord is the beginning of, of knowledge. Uh, the scripture tells us that the fear of the Lord is clean. It tells us that there, that the fear of the Lord is, is, uh, it's, uh, I already mentioned a couple of these that there's a part of the fear of the Lord is, is to hate evil. The, the fear of the Lord prolongeth days and, and, uh, it's, it's strong confidence and there's other things, characteristics, qualities about the fear of the Lord. I I want to remind you before we before we get into this other side of the fear of the Lord this morning. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. Now I that obviously was not talking about technology and and transportation and things like that, but when it with regards to mankind with regards to the issues and the struggles that mankind has there there is nothing new under the sun i have in the past i i one of my kids started i think it was one of my kids that started listening uh on audiobooks to um to a book by uh, an author by the name of Lynn Austin, and she's got a bunch of different books and, and apparently has won a lot of Christian awards for her books. And, and uh, the, 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 the one that was started, it's there, she's got a couple of different series, and one of them is about the chronicles of the kings in Scripture. And so it is, it is a fictitious account of, of uh, some biblical stories. And so... Uh, in preparation for the drive on on uh, Tuesday, I got to scrolling through and trying to find something to uh, to listen to throughout the car ride. I had a great group of young men riding in the car with me, and, um, and sometimes they were talking, and sometimes they were asking me questions, and then sometimes they were sleeping, and uh, so. We, when they weren't specifically talking to me, I would pop in my headphones. And so I, I came across uh, another series, and I forget the title of this series, um, but the, the book title is Return to Me, and it's the first in this other series. And and uh, basically is covering the story of the children of Israel, uh, their return from captivity in Babylon, going back to Jerusalem 
and going back to Jerusalem and, and those that went back with the passion and the burden to first and foremost re, rebuild the temple of the Lord. And so again, and I'm sure some of you have listened or read books along these lines and and you have to kind of remind yourself as you're listening or reading, this is not the Bible. And so you can't automatically take everything being said as fact. But uh, if, you're, if you know the Bible a little bit, then you can at least kind of, as you're listening, compare it to the parts of, of what you know. And so if you choose to listen to these, I, I've listened to a couple of the Chronicles of the Kings, and they're really good. And um, and so this one, I'm, I think I made it about halfway through so far. Um, but 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 it's it it just reminded me once again because we're it, it it's a time in which all of the temptations that we have and in our world today, all of the modern conveniences that we have, they they were not there in that day. Travel the own the primary way for a, a group of people to travel was by foot, maybe with a few animals you could ride on or pull a wagon but but it was a lot of it was simply traveling by foot, and so journeys would take weeks and sometimes months because of the fact they they did not have those conveniences that we have i found I find it to be an amazing thing i've had the opportunity to travel a number of times overseas and it amazes me, especially coming from England. I always seem to think of this it's it 's just kind of an odd thing to wake up early in the morning in England and go to bed at night in 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 my bed at home and and obviously that hasn 't always been the case you haven 't always been able to do that. And so in, in, in this story, as they were given the freedom and the liberty to make their way back to Jerusalem, uh, Edo, who is mentioned in the book of Zechariah, uh, he, he was one of the ones, he's the one of the primary characters focused on in this book. And he had this passion to go back to Jerusalem and see the temple of the Lord built and and according to the story, I don't, I haven't had a chance to follow all of this up to make sure it's completely accurate. But at least, according to the story, he had a couple of sons, and they had gotten married in Babylon, and they had spent their lives in Babylon, and they, uh, they, they were successful in Babylon. And so, when it came time to make this journey back to Jerusalem. Uh, they they decided they didn't want to go, and actually, again, according to the story as it's told, uh, Edo's wife really didn't want to go, but he was he had his mind made up. But they had they had gotten entwined in Babylon. They had gotten wrapped up in the in the culture of Babylon and the, the conveniences, and so when it came time to make a decision to. To, to embark on this journey that was going to be a challenge. There would be sacrifices and hardships. They, 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 they didn't want to go. And Edo makes his way back to Jerusalem. And Zechariah, his grandson, goes with them. And because he was feeling as a young boy, beginning to feel this stirring and this calling of the Lord. And then once they get back to Jerusalem and they begin this process of reestablishing their lives and rebuilding the temple of the Lord, they, they, they start to have some challenges because some of them, some of the, the Jews wanted to, to uh, engage with 
non-Jews and make uh, uh, alliances and, and agreements with them that, that were contrary. And, and so some of the story is Edo standing up for, for doing things according to the way they should, being faithful and true. And can I tell you that in 2023 we face the exact same thing. We, we think it's something new. We think it's more of a challenge today. But I'm here this morning to tell you there's nothing new under the sun. It's not any more difficult for you and I today to make a decision to give our lives to Jesus Christ. It's not any more difficult for us today to decide to take up our cross and follow Him than it's been throughout history. We need to get off this pity party that many of us have that the world is so difficult today and there's so much craziness and ungodliness and immorality. How can God expect us to live a life of righteousness and godliness and morality? I'm sorry, but you and I are going to stand before God one day in judgment and we're going to stand next to people that had it way more challenging and way worse than you and I did. Not one of us had to come here this morning fearing that we would lose our lives for deciding to gather together with the body of Christ but read throughout the book of Acts and find there were those that knew by joining together with the people of God they were taking their lives in their own hands as I said youth congress is every other year and so the first time I went to youth congress I was 15 years old I've only missed one since. I haven't, there's a couple of them, or at least one I know of. I wasn't at the whole Youth Congress. If we had a funeral, had to be here for the funeral, and then we flew out, my wife and I flew out to join the group. Uh, but, but I've only missed one. That was 1995. She and I, my wife and I were in Zambia with the gross box, uh, doing missions work. And that year was a youth congress year. And so other than that, I, I've been every time there's been youth congress. If my math is correct, this was my 17th youth congress. And, and, and all of those years, uh, if I'm not mistaken, this year was a first. There are, there are uh, split sessions in the morning, different groups, ages and ministry breakout sessions. And, and then there's a, a, a general service, and then at night, same thing, there's a service. And in all my years of going to Youth Congress, I believe this year was a first that, that in the Thursday service, it was a, a lady uh, who spoke, and uh, it's the first time, to my knowledge, there's ever been a lady preach in one of those general sessions, and and um, it, it, to be honest, it was, I, I know when it comes to church and things like that, you know, it's not like picking a movie or picking a restaurant, you, you know, it, but I, I actually went, and, and there was two services that I was Really, out of the whole youth congress, I was looking forward to, and one of them was Friday night, and I missed that to come home, but that's okay. But the other one was was Thursday, and and this young lady, born and raised in church, her parents are, uh, um, in fact, some of you, the the leadership group on Realm, a couple of weeks ago, I sent a message out, Brother Terry Shock, it's his daughter, and she is currently working as a, a doing missions work in, in what they refer to as Access Challenge Nations. 
So basically what that means is working in a nation that you're really not supposed to be there doing that. And, and your life is at risk if they find out. And, and she started at the beginning of her message on Thursday playing a, a recording. Uh, it, it, it was, nobody was, I don't think anybody was trying to be dramatic or, or whatever, but they, they, they announced and they kept several times putting signs up on the screens, the video screens, no video, no pictures being, were to be recorded and posted on Instagram or social media for her protection. Um, and, and so she, she shared the recording of a, of a, of a gathering she was in not too long ago of some precious people singing and worshiping God that literally were gathered together in a basement that literally they were taking their lives into their own hands, the risk of being caught. They could be killed. I'm not trying to be unkind here today, but you and I are going to have to stand in judgment one day next to people like that. And I don't know what your excuses are for the way you're living. I don't know what your excuses are this morning for why you can't be more dedicated and committed in your walk with God. But I'm going to tell you, they're going to sound really lame one day when you stand next to people that took their lives into their own hands and realize they could very well lose their lives for gathering together to worship with the people of God. That's going on in our world today. I'm, I'm really sorry if you came for a nice, positive, motivational message. Go on YouTube. There's all kind of just positive, motivational messages. But that's not why I'm here to, I'm here to preach what first and foremost, whatever I feel like God gives me. And I'm not here to tickle your ears. I'm not here to try to win a popularity contest. So if you don't like that, I apologize. There's plenty of other places you can go. But I, 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 I had no idea I'd get stuck stuck here as much as I've been stuck here but I'm just going to tell you some of you need to realize you got some really weak stuff you're using as reasons for all of the things you're doing or not doing didn't have to walk here this morning Sitting in, I know it's not, the temperature's never, I, there's two things that are never right for everybody, that, that not everybody's going to be happy with in a church service. The sound and the temperature. There's always people it's too loud, there's always people it's not loud enough. We haven't said it in a long time, but you actually can control the volume to a degree by where you sit. I don't know why some people persist sitting in the hot spots and complaining about the sound when there's other places you can sit that are a lot quieter. And if you don't know where those are, see me and I'll help you find them. I mean that sincerely. I know different people's ears are... Sound and temperature. Always too hot for somebody, it's always too cold for somebody. But the bottom line is we've got air, and in the winter we now have heat. For years we only had propane heaters we'd run for a few minutes. Now we actually have heat. And 
And we want, we want people to think we're something special because we're Americans that got up on a Sunday morning when maybe you could have been home in bed, still sleeping, and you want to get a merit badge because you came to church this morning. I'm sorry. It, that, that's that. Maybe I shouldn't have preached this morning. I'm just a little bit too tired, so I'm a little bit more honorary than normal. There's nothing new. Nothing new. We think we've got it tough. The book of Acts church faced way worse than we have faced to this point, at least in this nation. Yes, there's other places in the world that are similar to what... but. Well, the book of Acts, they grew so quick and so fast because everything... Are you kidding me? Have you read the book of Acts? Have you read them being thrown into prison? Have you read them being beaten? And as soon as they were released and they were forbidden to continue preaching, they said, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but we can't help but keep preaching. We just... There's, it, like Jeremiah said, it's like fire! There's nothing new. It's not some different thing that you and I have. Go all the way back to the beginning. That's why the Bible says of Moses in Hebrews chapter 11 that when he was come to years, when he reached a point where he had to make a decision... Am I going to continue on living in Pharaoh's household and getting the benefits of Egypt or am I going to embrace my roots? Am I going to go and live with the people of God? It's not going to be as easy. It's not going to be as comfortable of a lifestyle. But the Bible said that he chose to suffer reproach with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. If you've ever heard a preacher or a pastor tell you sin is not fun I am very sorry they lied there's a lot of fun in sin sin is fun there is pleasure in sin that's what the Bible says there is pleasure You've got parents that have told you sin isn't fun. I'm trying to be unkind to them, but they're they're not telling you the truth. That's why some kids perhaps have struggled in in committing their lives to God. His parents told them sin's not fun. They tried it, found out it was fun. It is fun. There is pleasure. But the problem is it goes on to say it's only for a season. You better enjoy the fun and the pleasure while it lasts because when the season is over, you're going to pay. And I promise you today, the price that you have to pay is always worse than what you anticipated. Oh, help me, Jesus. Let me see if I can get back to the continue on, I guess. There's all these benefits and blessings of living in the fear of the Lord, living with the fear of the Lord. But as I said several weeks ago, the first Sunday that I specifically preached on this subject, the first, the first mention of the fear of the Lord, and in the King James, it's, it's actually not stated as the fear of the Lord, it's stated as the, the fear of God. It's, it's not mentioned in the context of the blessings, the benefits, the attributes, the characteristics. We, we find 
the first mention, or at least according to my study, if you find something else, let me know. But according to my study, we find the first mention of the fear of the Lord in Genesis chapter 20, starting with verse number 1. The Bible says, Abraham journeyed from thence towards the south country and dwelled between Kadesh and Shur, and sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham said of Sarah his wife, She is my sister, and Abimelech king of Gerar sent and took her. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, thou art a, you're about to be a dead man. Because the woman that you have taken, she is a man's wife. But Abimelech had not come near her. And he said, Lord, wilt thou slay also a righteous nation? Said he not unto me, she is my sister. And she, even she herself said, He is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and innocency of my hands have I done this. And God said unto him in a dream, Yea, I know that thou didst this in the integrity of thy heart, for I also withheld thee from sinning against me. Therefore suffered I thee not to touch her. Now therefore restore the man his wife, for he is a prophet, and he shall pray for thee, and thou shalt live. And if thou restore her not, know thou that thou shalt surely die, thou and all that are thine. Therefore Abimelech rose early in the morning, He didn't wait to deal with this. He got up early. He rose up early in the morning and called all his servants and told all these things in their ears. And the men were sore afraid. I don't think that's the same kind of fear as the fear of the Lord. Then Abimelech called Abraham and said unto him, What in the world did you do to me? If I offended you, you brought on, you have brought on me and on my kingdom a great sin. Thou hast done deeds unto me that thou not, that ought not to be done. And Abimelech said unto Abraham, What sawest thou that thou hast done this thing? You see, according to scripture, his, his wife was, Sarah was so beautiful, he was afraid for his life. So he says, She's my sister. But what was it that prompted him to say that? We find it in verse 11, which again, if my study is correct, this is the first mention of the fear of the Lord or the fear of God. And Abraham said, Because I thought, surely the fear of God is not in this place. And they will slay me for my wife's sake. Because Abraham assumed that there was no fear of the Lord with Abimelech. He was afraid for his life. The first mention we have of the fear of the Lord is is not the positive characteristics and qualities and attributes. It's, it's It's the dangers of a life. It's the dangers of being in a place where there is no fear of the Lord. I, I, I struggle with people that tell stuff as facts that, that may just simply be kind of their perception. So to the best of my ability, if I'm about to tell something that could fit that category, I want to make it plain. This is my perceptions. I, I, I'm a pretty even keel, calm guy. I don't get riled up too much one way or the other. 
So, I, I, the first night we entered the uh, America's Dome for the first service, you walked in and you had a badge, you were given a badge, and it showed what they kind of had three levels of seating, the lower floor level and then the lower and upper concourse and then up high. And that, that first night we walked in and there were security uh, uh, x-ray machines that you had to go through and there was a bunch of arena workers. But it, it seemed to me after that first night there was a lot less of them. And it also, if you've ever been in some kind of an event in, a, in an arena or at a stadium, there's usually a, 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 a staff, an usher, security posted at basically every entrance into the, the seating area. And oftentimes, kind of, they'll, they'll be positioned, especially in this setting, they'll be positioned at the stairs, the bottom of the stairs that can take you down onto the floor. And unless I was missing it, I... I hardly noticed very many. 34,000 people entering and exiting that arena every night. I would say somewhere around 20,000 at least during the day. And there was really no need for security. There was nobody having to worry about breaking up any fights or Directing any drunk people? You know why? Because in that arena was a group of people that were living, not perfectly, but were living in the fear of the Lord. Because where somebody's living in the fear of the Lord, there's going to be order. There's going to be peace. And I realize that we're living in a world that may not have the fear of the Lord. But as I preached last Sunday morning, the name of the Lord is a strong tower that the righteous run into and are safe. So I may be living in a world that doesn't have the fear of the Lord. But I'm living in the fear of the Lord, so I believe that the Lord and His angels surround me. But Abraham says, I, I'm sorry, but I, I assumed there was no fear of the Lord here. And I was afraid for my life. Psalms 36 and verse number 1 says this. The transgression of the wicked saith within my heart, There is no fear of God before his eyes. For he flattereth himself in his own eyes until his iniquity be found to be hateful. The words of his mouth are iniquity and deceit. He hath left off to be wise and to do good. He deviseth mischief upon his bed. He setteth himself in a way that is not good. He abhorreth not evil. Remember the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Living Bible says those verses this way, Sin lurks deep in the hearts of the wicked, forever urging them on to evil deeds. They have no fear of God to hold them back. Instead, in their conceit, they think they can hide their evil deeds and not get caught. Everything they say is crooked and deceitful. They are no longer wise and good. They lie awake at night to hatch their evil plots instead of planning how to keep away from wrong. 
Then the message Bible says, The God rebel tunes in to sedition, all ears eager to sin. He has no regard for God. He stands insolent before Him. He has smooth-talked Himself into believing that His evil will never be noticed. Words gutter from His mouth, dishwasher dirty. Can't remember when He did anything decent. Every time He goes to bed, He fathers another evil plot. When He loses when he's loose on the streets, nobody's safe. He plays with fire and doesn't care who gets burned. That's the, that's the result of not having the fear of the Lord. The Bible says the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. You're not going to have a fear of the Lord if you don't first and foremost believe there is a God. So if the fool doesn't even believe there's a God, the fool is not going to live with a fear of the Lord. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. The Bible says, does the unbelief of some make the word of God to none effect? I don't care if the majority of this world believes there is no God or doesn't believe in the necessity of the Bible. That does not change the validity and the reality of the Bible. That does not change the truthfulness of the Word of God. Fool. See, it's one thing. There's not a person in this place that is going to live a sin-free life. The Bible says a righteous man falls. You're, not, you're never going to reach perfection in this life. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to stumble. You're going to fall. But the difference between that and what's being talked about here is, is those that have, don't have the fear of the Lord, they don't just stumble and fall accidentally. They are looking for ways. They are trying to come up with ways to violate the principles of the Word of God. Proverbs 1 verse 24 says this, Because I have called and you refused, I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded, but you have set at naught all my counsel and would none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when you fear, when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. I believe it's in the book of Jeremiah where the Lord says, when you seek for me with all of your heart, you will find me. If you're sitting here today and you well, I've tried to find God and I haven't found Him. I'm sorry. Don't accuse God because God doesn't lie. And He said when you seek for me with everything that's in you, not just a haphazard, casual pursuit of me, but when you look for me as if your life depends on me, you will find me. But that same God says through the wise man, there could be a day in which you could seek for me and you will not find me. Somebody needs to hear me today. You're not guaranteed that God is going to be there every single time if you keep putting Him off. Is He a God of grace and mercy? Absolutely He is. But He's not going to play games with you forever. 
Oh, Jesus. Well, Pastor, that's not the way you preach nowadays. It's all love. And this is love. This is love. It's not love to only tell you what you want to hear. It's not love to just console you when you're living without the fear of the Lord and in sin. That's not love. Then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. Never forget hearing my dad tell the story, and some of you have heard him tell it, that before they came to Annapolis, he and my mother came to Annapolis to preach. They were traveling as evangelists, preaching in different services, different churches, and one service, the end of service, as the altar call was given, a young man came and knelt down at the altar, and he began to cry out in agony because he began to scream, God, just let me feel your presence one more time. Just let me feel your presence one more time. What you and I take for granted here today, He is a just and a loving God. His mercy and His grace are beyond my comprehension. But there can become a point where you treat it so lightly that He says, I'm sorry, there's no more for you. Oh, Jesus. For they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. Living, excuse me, the New Living Translation says it this way. I called you so often, but you wouldn't come. I reached out to you, but you paid no attention. You ignored my advice and rejected the correction I offered. So I will laugh when you are in trouble. Mock when you, when, when disaster overtakes you. When calamity overtakes you like a storm. When disaster engulfs you like a cyclone. And anguish and distress overwhelm you. When they cry for help, I will not answer. Though they anxiously search for me they will not find me for they hated knowledge and chose not the fear of the Lord they rejected my advice and paid no attention when I corrected them therefore they must eat the bitter fruit of living their own way choking on their own schemes for simpletons turn away from me to death fools are destroyed by their own complacency but all who listen to me will in peace, will live in peace untroubled by fear of harm. Fear of the Lord. It's where it starts. It's the beginning of wisdom. It's the fountain of life. It prolongeth days. It's the beginning of knowledge. It's a place of confidence. It's a place of safety and protection. Choosing. There's a whole different side to choosing to not live in the fear of the Lord. I'm, I'm afraid that we put, we put living for God or making a commitment to follow Jesus Christ, we put it in the same category as the other choices we make in life. 
Some of you are going to leave this place and you're going to go to a restaurant, some kind of a restaurant, fast food, sit down, whatever. You're going to go to a restaurant somewhere and get your lunch in a little bit. There's other options. Most of the things and the common things we eat, there's multiple options for them. You want a burger this afternoon for lunch? There's all kinds of options for burgers. You've got McDonald's and you've got Wendy's and you've got Burger King's and Burger King and you've got Five Guys and you've got the burger joint and, and you've got other places and you've got sit-down restaurants that have burgers on their menu. And so if you go to one place and pick their burger and don't get one from someplace else, oh well, who cares? No big deal. I used to eat at McDonald's fairly frequently. I hardly ever eat at McDonald's. It appears that I haven't hurt their business one bit. Blows my mind in Severna Park. They've got them within, a, as the old folks would say, within a stone's throw of each other. Right across the highway from each other. I'm sorry. Choosing to give your life to Jesus Christ or not give it to Him is not like picking Burger King over McDonald's. Eh, no big deal. I wish it was that way, but it's not. Message Bible says, verse 14, They open their mouths and pollute the air. They race for the honor of sinner of the year. Litter the land with heartbreak and ruin. Don't know the first thing about living with others. They never give God the time of day. Oh, Jesus. Romans chapter 3, verse 9 says this to King James. What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise. For we have, we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. Why is all of that? Because verse 18, there is no fear of God before their eyes. I read those verses to you in the Passion Translation. Verse number 9, so are we to conclude then that we Jews are superior to all others? Certainly not, for we have already proven that both Jews and Gentiles are all under the bondage of sin. And the Scriptures agree, for it is written, There is no one who always does what is right. No, not even one. There is no one with true spiritual insight, and there is no one who seeks after God alone. All have deliberately wandered from God's ways. All have become depraved and unfit. Kindness has disappeared from them all. Not even one is good. Their words release a stench like the smell of death. Foul and filthy, deceitful lies roll under that roll off their tongues. The venom of a viper drips from their lips. Bitter profanity flows from their mouths only meant to cut and harm. Most of you adults here today, people that are especially a little bit older than me or older than me, 
You grew up in a time in which if you were not a Christian, and you were, especially if you were around somebody you knew was clergy, and if you cussed and let a cuss word slip in front of them, you would apologize profusely. I'm very sorry. Sorry, Reverend, I didn't mean to say that. But for years now, in various settings and situations, there are still a few people, but there's a lot of people that doesn't happen anymore. Used to play racquetball three mornings a week pre-COVID with a bunch of guys. There was one guy, I honestly, I don't think he could say one single sentence without having the F word in it someplace. The S word. Dude, do you know how stupid you sound? I don't know if that's supposed to be impressing everybody, but this guy was like a very successful business guy. Their words release a stench. Bitter profanity flows from their mouths, only meant to cut and harm. They are infatuated with violence and murder. They release ruin and misery wherever they go. They never experience the the path of peace. Here's why. They shut their eyes to the all-inspiring God. How did we get there? Romans 1.28 tells us very plainly. Because they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. The Living Bible says, So it was that when they gave God up and would not even acknowledge Him, God gave them up to doing everything their evil minds could think of. watched 51 years old born and raised in church in this church been involved in some form of ministry role for 30 plus years now and I've watched as people have come and gone and I've watched time and time again people that spent some degree of time significant degree of time sitting on the seats of this church and committing their lives to Jesus Christ but got tired of the bondage And walked away from it. And boy, you talk about some freedom. Man, they experienced freedom. People that never would evangelize trying to reach a lost soul came back trying to evangelize saints sitting on these seats. You don't have to do all of that. You don't have to live that way. I am guided. This was not the way I thought this was going this morning. You don't have to do all of that. That's not all. You don't have to dress a certain way. Act. You don't have to do all of that. <laughs> oh, got any football fans here? I like football. If a guy's got the ball and he's running towards his end goal, sorry for all you Europeans and all you other folks that football is what we call soccer. I, I, I know. That's not football. I, I don't know who. I didn't call it that, but that's what it's called. You got a guy, got that ball and he's running for that. If he's heading toward his end zone, and there's a defender that's between him and that end zone that can get to him. 
you, you know, you, you play defense or offense? Defense. Did you, did you, did you, hey, excuse me, sir. Excuse me, sir. Would you, would you mind just stopping right here? Listen, if you don't mind, just, you know, I, I, my job's to keep you from going to that end zone. Would you, would you just stay here, please? Oh. You better, you better not come my direction because you're about to be a pancake. I'm about to lay you out. I got a question. If you were playing defense and, that, and, the, and the running back on the other team got confused and started running towards your team's end zone, what would you do? Nothing. I remember one time in high school playing basketball for our, we had a church school for 35 years and playing basketball. I was, I was like, I was, I was still kind of young. I wasn't a starter yet. But, but I, I remember one game, this guy on our team, unfortunately on our team, he got the ball and he got confused. And he got all excited on a fast break heading towards the other team's basket. Not one defender tried to stop him. In fact, Brother David said he wouldn't do, he said he'd do nothing. He may do nothing, but I bet you some folks on the team would be yelling at each other, leave him alone, leave him alone. Let him go. He's about to score for us. You know... Do you know why when you make up your mind you're not going to live for God anymore, all of a sudden it feels so much easier because you're now heading to the wrong basket. You're now heading to the wrong end zone. And the same devil that was fighting you with everything he had steps back and says, have your way. Of course it's going to get easier. Of course you're not going to feel the same struggles if you're heading the direction the enemy wants you to go. The fight is not a bad thing. The struggle is a good sign. One of the scariest things in the world to me is when somebody who used to feel conviction over sin can now do the same sin and not feel one drop of conviction. Oh, that's great. I don't feel bad when I do this. No, it's not great. The Bible talks about searing our consciences. Do you know that psychologically they have proven when you make decisions and you go against that instinct, your brain will rewire itself. Oh, I'm not not asking you to do it and disrupt whatever. I, I need somebody to... I need somebody to pray. I don't know who it is this morning. I'm not trying to be dramatic. I truly did not anticipate the tone of this message and this message going this way. But it may just be one single person, but there's somebody here today that you need to hear what God's trying to say to you. Your life without the fear of the Lord is not worth it. Not worth it. Last passage 
Joshua chapter 20. There's some things in the Bible. There's some stories in the Bible. There's some stories and some decisions that people made or some struggles that people had that I just, I, I, I don't understand. This passage is one of those. In Joshua chapter 24, verse 1, it says, Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers and they presented themselves before God. you you, you got to understand, I, I know it's, it's almost 12 and we know service ends at 12, so if you have to go at 12, thank you for being here, but I'm not going to be done at 12. This group of people, you have to understand that the, that, that a, a, a good amount of the people that Joshua is gathering together, these are people who literally walked through the Red Sea, or some of them were carried in their parents' arms because they were so young through the Red Sea. These are people that had not just heard the story about walking through the Red Sea. These were people that were there. would think if anybody would be dedicated and committed to following God, it would be them. Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood and led him throughout all the land of Canaan and multiplied his seed and gave him Isaac. And I gave unto Isaac Jacob and Esau, and I gave unto Esau Mount Seir to possess it. But Jacob and his children went down into Egypt and I sent Moses also and Aaron and I plagued Egypt according to that which I did among them and afterward I brought you out and I brought your fathers out of Egypt and you came unto the sea and the Egyptians pursued after your fathers with chariots and horsemen under the horsemen under the Red Sea and when they cried unto the Lord he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and brought the sea upon them and covered them and your eyes have seen what I have done in Egypt he, he here, here Joshua was saying it. You have seen this. Your eyes saw this. And you dwelt in the wilderness a long season and I brought you into the land of the Amorites which dwelt on the other side Jordan and they fought with you and I gave them into your hand that you that you might possess their land and I destroyed them from before you. Then Balak the son of Zippor king of Moab arose and and warred against Israel and sent and called Balaam and the, the son of Beor to curse you. But I would not hearken unto Balaam. Therefore he blessed you still, so I delivered you out of his hand. And you went over Jordan and came unto Jericho. And the men of Jericho fought against you and the Amorites and the Perizzites, the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Hittites and all the otherites. And del- I delivered them into your hand and I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out from before you, even the two kings of the Amorites but not with my sword nor with my bow I just used a bunch of bees and I have given you a land for which you did not labor and cities which you built not and you dwell in them of the vineyards and oliveyards which you planted not do you eat and now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve the Lord and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord how in the world could it be a bother to serve the one that brought you out of 
of Egypt and did all of those miracles to deliver you from bondage and gave you a land now that you live in. How could it be a bother to serve Him? But He says, if it seems evil to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me, But as for me, my house, we will serve the Lord. Would you permit me in the context of this message this morning to paraphrase that just a little bit, but I think still be okay. But as for me and my house, we will live in the fear of the Lord. What blows my mind, if you read the next verse, they respond to Joshua and they said, We will serve the Lord. But you go into the book of Judges. And the very next generation after Joshua passed away, some of the very ones that had responded to Joshua and said, we're going to serve the Lord too. The Bible said they didn't even know God anymore. I think, and I don't say this to be dramatic, and it's not hyperbole. I think one of the greatest tragedies in the world is when somebody who was born in church, born to parents who came out of Egypt, born to parents that God delivered and saved from the world, they're born and raised in church, but they decide to go after other gods. said this numerous times lately I know there's there's people sitting here right now that you're going through more difficult stuff than the stuff I mentioned my family's going through this week I am not at all saying that what we're going through is the most difficult thing anybody's going through not at all but as I said recently in one service just because people are going through worse stuff than you are doesn't take away from what you're going through doesn't mean it doesn't affect you. Doesn't mean it doesn't impact you. I've watched it's on it's been on public social media. I'm not gonna call names. I won't go that far. If you've got a problem with this, then you you you're not on social media. But there's people sitting here right now, you you'll know who I'm talking about. There's people that have blatantly posted, people born and raised in this church that now mock what we do, and some that even now say there's not even a God. What boggles my mind is just about every one of them has been through divorce. been through difficult situations and challenges and I'm the one that's the fool I'm the one that's duped into believing and doing what I'm doing by the way I I thought I was going to say this earlier let me just tell you something today there is no such thing as church hurt it's been a buzzword going around a lot on social media And some of you just sat there and said, yes, there is. No, there's not. There is no such thing as church hurt. The church has never hurt one person. 
I said the church has never hurt one person. Now there's some immature, ignorant people in the church that have hurt people. But the church, excuse the grammar, but my roots are in the South. The church ain't never hurt one person. Some of y'all would not be able to shop anywhere or eat anywhere if you reacted to restaurants and stores the way you want to react to the church. I've had some downright rude servers at restaurants. I've had some poor service at places I've gone. I've walked around Home Depot for 20 minutes. I don't know why it is that when I know what I want and where it is, there are workers everywhere. Can I help you? No, I'm good. You need, no, I'm good. The moment you go there and you don't know where what you need is, you can't find nobody. By some of the chuckles, I'm assuming I'm not the only one. I still go to Home Depot. I got somebody, somebody to get key points, somebody. say it again the the church has never hurt someone and never will again people in the church you're just playing semantics brother right fine you just brush it off as semantics and I hope you get through your bitterness and offenses Sorry, if born and raised here. If church hurt was a thing justifiable to not be in church anymore, I'd be one of the first ones out of here. I've been lied on, I've been criticized. I've... But I feel like Peter. I think Peter was kind of saying what Joshua said a little bit different way. Jesus looked at the disciples as other disciples had left. And he says to them, Are you guys going to go also? Peter responded, and apparently he wasn't just speaking for himself. There were some others that felt the same way. Peter responded and said, Lord, where else are we going to go? You alone have the words of eternal life. Some of you need to get rid of your options today. Some of you need to make up your mind. There ain't nowhere else to go. I guarantee you that ark got stinky and smelly with all those animals. And I guarantee you there was some tension on that ark with all those in-laws. But I promise you, being on the ark was a much better option than being in the flood. Choose you this day who you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will fear the Lord. no other option there's no other life 
heads bowed, eyes closed, please. I don't know who you are, but there's somebody in this place today. The Holy Ghost is reaching for you. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm not trying to just be dramatic, but it may not be another option or opportunity. Today, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I I feel like I shouldn't have to do this, but I'm going to do it. Somebody needs to get out of your seat right now. Somebody needs to make your way down to this altar. And you need to present yourself to the Lord today. Some of you need to do some repenting this morning. God, forgive me. Forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for living without the fear of the Lord. Forgive me for disregarding the fear of the Lord. Forgive me today, God. But I want a fresh new start. There is grace and mercy here today. As hard as I preach today, as much as I've challenged today, there is so much grace and mercy in this place. In fact, that's the whole purpose for the message is the grace and the mercy of God. If you're a guest today, if this is your first time in an apostolic church, I'm sure it's very different. But I challenge you today, there's no better life to live than a life that is lived, surrendered, and committed to Jesus Christ. There is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Come on, church, be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. Come on, church, be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. Come on, let the Lord lead you. He might lead you to somebody that hasn't necessarily come to the altar, but the Holy Ghost is trying to reach. Come on, church, be sensitive to the Spirit of the Lord. I give you all of me. Oh, somebody needs to make up your mind today withholding nothing. I'm not holding anything back from you, Jesus. I'm not going to live with a half-hearted commitment to you, Jesus. I'm not going to live with a take-it-or-leave-it attitude. I'm going to live in the fear of the Lord because that's wisdom, that's knowledge, that's life, that's safety. Oh, there's grace and mercy. There's grace and mercy being offered freely in this place today. I believe the fact that you're in this room this morning means there's grace and mercy for you. I believe the fact you're here today is a witness that there's grace and mercy still available for you. I 
everything. If you're already living with the fear of the Lord, if you're already trying to live that way, why don't you take an opportunity right now and make a fresh commitment? This isn't just for somebody that's not living in the fear of the Lord. Joshua was making a declaration. Me and my house have served the Lord, and we're going to continue to serve the Lord. Me and my house have lived in the fear of the Lord, but we're going to continue to live in the fear of the Lord. All of me. I give you all of me. I give you all of me. I present myself to you as a living sacrifice. I present myself to you as a living sacrifice. I give you everything. I give you everything. I give you everything. Whenever you need to go or want to go, you're welcome to. God bless you. The Spirit of the Lord is still moving in some hearts and lives. The service is not necessarily done, but if you need to go, thank you so much for being here. Withholding nothing. Withholding nothing. Withholding nothing. Oh, I don't just give you a part of me. I'm not just giving you my Sunday morning, Lord. I'm not just giving you my Sunday morning. I give you all of me. I give you all of me, Jesus. Everything, everything. I give it all. I give it all. I give it all to you. Oh, nothing, 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 nothing. Give you all of me. 